the wrong side of the red line, Dallas Stars Podcast. Here is your host, Sean Shapiro. The second to last uh, car cast of 2017. Some and would call that the penultimate car cast. Yes. So uh, those who can uh, who can talk and pronounce things right now, which doesn't include uh, myself. Um, yeah, but you can spell. I can spell. And that's what matters. I can spell, yes. Um, Stars beats the St. Louis Blues 4-2 tonight. Their second win of the season against a team in the top three in the standings of the Central Division. And uh, it's one of those... Don't get too caught up in something because obviously they lost to Minnesota the other night and there's ups and downs in the season, but if you look in particular at St. Louis, start at one point earlier this month, the Stars were 12 points behind the Blues. After tonight's win, they are three points back with a game in hand, um, which means, I mean, the Stars are looking at a spot where you string some things together, you're maybe in the top three in the Central and not and no longer just a wild card. Contender. Well, and the other thing, too, I know we make a big deal about four-point games, but if they lose this, they're seven points back. Yes. So the difference between three and seven as they approach the midway point, is, to me, seems like a giant chasm of difference. But they haven't done anything yet, but it is certainly better to be within range than it is to be not really that close to the conversation. And it's even if you say we take that game in hand, they play San Jose on New Year's Eve. That'll that'll be game forty-one. Uh, no, that'll be game. Yeah, that'll be game forty-one. Well, the uh, no, not for the Stars. It'll be the fortieth. Fortieth game. Yeah. Forty-first will yeah. be on the second against the Blue, the Blue Jackets. Jackets. Yes. And that'll be the halfway point at the end of that one. Exactly. But how about this? The Blues, who are two and seven in their last nine, counting tonight, have to turn around, fly home, and play Carolina tomorrow. Carolina team that had picked up a big win tonight against uh, Pittsburgh as well. Pittsburgh um, struggling at the moment. And nobody's upset about it, unless they're fans of Pittsburgh. You don't get a lot of sympathy votes when you win the last two Stanley Cups. No, you don't. <laughs> the, uh, but so the Stars tonight, interesting game, um, because it goes into the third period. They are up one nothing going into the third period. Uh, Matias Yamark had scored in the second period on a uh, very nice very nice play by Jason Spez, a nice pass. Great, great um, they go into the third period, and Ben Bishop went arguably one of his best periods of the year, probably, in that second period. Um, let's up two goals you kind of you don't expect him to let up with how he'd been playing. Um, and the Stars are down 2-1. to one. The Blues actually kept to make a goalie change necessitated by the league with because of the uh, concussion protocol, because Jake Allen um, got ran into by Colton Pareko after a collision at the side of the net with Tyler Pitlick. Um, and the Stars are down 2-1. to one. Alec was back into the game. And then in the final... I like the oddity of that, by the way, that Allen was out for nine and a half minutes of game time. In that time, Carter Hutton made two saves recorded on the official stats. One of them was great. It was, it was a, on Pitlick, a one-timer set up by Ben from behind the net. Really good blocker save. But even aside from the saves, he was the goalie of record. So Allen left the game down a goal, came back in with nine minutes left, up a goal, and that was kind of amusing for people that watch a lot of hockey to see something different, kind of like a four-minute headbutting double minor, yes. something you don't see every day. I, I like to call the, uh, I mean, he made one too many saves, but Hutton was in line for what I like to call the Niemi, who had, <laughs> Antti Niemi, who had two or three one-save-in-relief victories yes. this time in Dallas. Um 
because obviously the stars during that Lenin and Niemi era was, uh, there was quite a few goalie changes, um, and scores changed quite often. All um, those opportunities. Yes. <laughs> um, but then, so in the final eight minutes or so, you talk, and Hitchcock, and all hockey coaches use this, you talk about the cliche, old cliché, but it's true, your best players have to be your best players. And that was a final 10-minute stretch for me where it looked like where Jamie Benn decided I was going to be the best player on the ice. I was going to, I'm going to put my team on the back. And he, first he steals the puck from Edmondson to tie the game and then beats Allen to tie the game at 2-2. Two to two. Did you notice that on that play, Allen gets caught up with Paul Stastny's left skate mm -hmm. on his right leg, and that's what necessitates... Uh, or what leads to the open net because yes. he falls and isn't able to get a push across. I, I don't know if, if Ben would have scored otherwise, but or if it would have been a save, but it definitely helped that Allen was not able to get a, get across and try to cover because then he was diving, and Jamie just had the patience to backhand it into the roof of the net. Great, yeah. goal. Great goal. Great goal. Great goal. Great goal to tie it up 2-2. Two -two. I think, for me, it was the most important goal of the game because... Yes. Um, well, obviously the game winner, which we'll get to in a second. Well, the game winner is important, and then the empty net goals adds a nice touch for flair. Um, you don't the stars without that goal. Allen had been playing well even after he came back. You, you may you probably you may be you're probably losing that game two to one. Yep. Um, then um, the goal to go up three to two, the ultimate game winner um, with Alexander Radulov scoring with about two twenty eight remaining, if I do my math correctly. Good goal. And great celebration. Great celebration. Uh, Love it when he scores. He scores in, and he does enthusiastic celebrations. You know, uh, Alex Ovechkin, who scored a ton of goals in his NHL career, always seems to celebrate as if he's never scored before. And I, I like that. You know, a lot of people, the old school mentality is do the Joe Sackick, act like you've scored before. I like the passion and the enthusiasm. I, I don't like stoicism when it comes to goal scoring. Hockey is a, hockey's a game. Games are supposed to be fun. It's funny because in hockey, many players are, most players are discouraged from uh, showing outward emotion yeah. in that regard, right? And yet that's what the fans yearn for. It, it makes them more interesting, relatable, uh, more easier to cheer for. I think, I think it's fun. And here's my thing about Alexander Radulov, too. He and there's there's perceptions about him because outs not in Dallas but outside in other places there's perceptions about him um, some some that are largely false at least based on your and I's experiences right. in, in covering him um, but he said he has worked and he's earned the right to celebrate like that for example sure. you look at the empty net goal puck hits the post how many other not many superstar players are, 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 are hustling the way he is to to follow up to follow that, that up. shot from their own zone. That's that's a shot where he's following that up. He doesn't know what's going to hit the post. If he misses, yeah. he's trying to negate yeah. possibly yeah. an icing. Yeah. He doesn't know that puck's going to hit the post. Right. He, he's following that shot up. That shot up either way. And then another celebration there. And right, he's rewarded because of the hard work of, of chasing a puck that many guys could have just sat back and said, you know, it, it's a, either it goes in or it's icing. Why waste the energy going to go down there? Yeah. So And, and honestly, if he hadn't, nobody would have said, oh, well, he should have skated harder. He just yeah. said, okay, fine. So. But, and he almost had the hat trick. Yeah. He had another chance up to skates down the left wing, and he dumps it in the corner. Mm -hmm. 
I don't think he had a great lane because of the defender, but I was thinking, oh, geez, we're going to have a last-five-minute last, last five minute natural hat-trick for Radulov. That would have been pretty cool. Yeah. Unfortunately, it didn't quite happen. And he, it's, uh, and I wrote a little bit about him after the game over at the upset where he, um, shameless plug, shameless plug, <laughs> and he, uh, and he, he's done a job, he's done a job where he's evolved as a leader on this team. For one, it's a bit, uh, you see guys step in and become, you see older guys sometimes step in and get, get a letter in their first year on a team, but sure. it's not like Radulov is a guy who is has been in the league for 10, 15 years, and then you give him a letter. Oh, but he's not well, he's a 25-year-old either. Well, he's not a 25-year-old either, but he's he's a guy who stepped in, who stepped in, was given that responsibility right away, trusted with it, and has really embraced it. I mean, not, embraced it not only with his well, remember, play, but his work ethic. Well, remember, he signed a and I think, I think it's a smart move by Ken Hitchcock to recognize that it's not a one-year contract. They gave him a lot of money, a lot of term. They gave him the five years that... Uh, it seemed like the other suitors weren't willing to go to. And in doing so, they said, look, you're a big part of our plans for a while. We need you to be in the middle of the leadership group. And he's done that, and, and, he, and he's enjoyed it. I asked, we asked him about it after the game tonight. He's, he's enjoyed that role. He's enjoyed being one of – he's enjoyed having that responsibility. He's enjoyed playing in the big moments. Right, and I think coaching staff-wise, the philosophy is you want your leaders, your key guys to embrace it because it's their team. And the best way to get a team to rally around each other or to change an outcome from a you know a bad situation in a game is is to have it come from the players. And Hitch talks about that a lot, where he says, "No, I don't need to go in there and yell. I need the guys to do that and to make those changes themselves before it ever gets to me." Yeah, and tonight was a perfect example of that for me of the players taking from just watching from the press box. I mean, we don't know exactly what they said on the bench or anything sure. like that, but. Watching from our vantage point, this was tonight was a game where the players put it on themselves to come to to come back and win this game. Then their goalie played. Their goalie kept them in the game earlier in the game. Um, played very well. When their goalie made a mistake, they picked their goalie up. They yep. they, they they bailed Ben Bishop out when they he bailed them out earlier. They bailed them they bailed him out when he needed in the third period. And he was. It would have. How fun would it have been if if maybe that no, lane had been open when the net was empty? I thought he was going to go for it too. No, 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 no. You don't know if it's going to hit a guy or if somebody's going to jump and block it out of the air. But it would have been so cool to see Ben Bishop score a goal. He hasn't had one yet. Neither has Kari. I think they both have the talent to do it. Yes. It just has to be the right circumstances. It's not... Uh... And, and, Sean, I, I like that situation, too, because you're up by two. Yeah. So even if you make a mistake, it gets knocked down, it somehow ends up in your net, you still have a, you have a, a buffer zone. So it's, yeah. It's perfect. Because mm -hmm. if you do it with a one-goal lead and it turns out poorly, then you look really bad yeah. of taking a selfish risk when you know you don't have to do that. But with two, boy, Brandon, it almost was aligned perfectly. Not quite. Yeah. And the uh, a couple other oddities tonight that we'll have to go over. Oh, I know which one you're going to. Um, Face off? We'll get to that one. Okay. But, but kind of. But first off, I haven't seen the headbutting penalty called in a long time. I can't remember the last time I saw a headbutting yeah, penalty Yeah, I feel called. like I've seen it before, but I can't remember yeah, when. I know, I've, I know I've seen it before. I can't remember. Um, it's a rare move in the NHL these days. It's a penalty, actually, now that I think about it, it's a penalty I saw called a couple times in college. Well, I mean, because it used to be that I was aware of it. Anytime you, you saw something like headbutting, it was usually followed by a 
either a game misconduct or a match penalty because yeah. it was an egregious attempt to injure. It wasn't even a, a roughing penalty or shoving or anything like that. It would, you know, it's, it's sort of like the spearings of the yeah. world. And the, the ones I remember, now that I think about it, I think I remember seeing a couple, there's a couple instances where it happens in college. There's no fighting in college hockey for those who run away. There's no fighting. And doesn't mean it's not a rough sport. It's a rough sport. But yeah. So you'll often get the, uh, you'll get a couple of the, the gloves on, shoving there, and then you'll get the... A couple? You'll, you'll it's been a while since I've attended a college hockey game. I used yeah. to go to a lot as a kid. Yeah. That was a, you know, there was a, the, the pushing and shoving happened seemingly every, every oh, stoppage. Yeah. And then you'll get the, the guys, they, everyone's wearing cages, and so giving a little, uh, a little extra with your head yeah. is, uh, is not, uh, you're protected to do with your face. So That's right. it's, uh, it's, it's harder to do a lot of damage when the other guy is also wearing a full cage or a shield. Yeah. yeah. So Radic Fox against the, uh, the headbutting penalty. Didn't really get a good review of it from our oh. vantage point, just because it was done during the TV timeout. Um, there kind of there was, that's when the join started and, and all of that. And then the uh, and then we also had the three on five, which included Radic Foxa, where the stars have the have the five are killing the five on three, which they did. Um, the Blues actually now this season are zero for six on uh, five on three power plays. Um, not good. Not good. No. And uh, which power, is amazing. You think with if you just had Vladimir Tarasenko and his shooting ability mm-hmm. on a five-on-three, that if you had six chances, he'd get one just because he's a good shooter. Oh yeah. Let alone now he's injured now, but Jaden Schwartz or Petrangelo, Bowmeister, Pareko with an absolute missile at the blue line, Stastny in front. I mean, you could go on and on about that. How do they not have one? But hey, sometimes it just yeah. doesn't work. So on that five-on-three kill, the Stars had. Um, the uh, Radic Fox gets tossed out of the circle, and Dan Hamby's takes I the I missed it. I didn't see it. I didn't see Hamby's going to take the draw. I don't know what I was doing. I was watching the five on three, but I just it didn't occur to me until I saw you tweet about it. Yeah, and I don't I don't remember which Blues center uh, took it off to go. I've, it's, it's on my list of things to go back and check the tape on to see who took the face off. According uh, to the stat sheet, he did lose it though. He the, did the, the Blues center won. According to the stat sheet, he lost it. But I think if you're talking about, and I went through and checked. I can't find. I couldn't find Dan Hamhuse's. Uh, I couldn't find his 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 uh, faceoff stats for the first two years of his career because mm. he's played a long NHL career. He's getting close to a thousand games, and um, thirteen away, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think tonight was nine eighty eight for him. I believe. Yep, twelve to go. Um, so, but I went through and the first, the last, the first two years of his career are right before they started better doing game logs with faceoffs on the, uh, and so. But, yeah, I checked hockey reference and I only saw zeros. But in every year, meaning no, no yeah, faceoffs taken. In, in every in every year since there was actually uh, game logs with faceoffs for individual players, he has zero. So I believe it was the only first. I mean, I believe it was the first faceoff of his NHL career. Well, at least in the regular season. At least in the regular season. Yeah. And, and we'll have to ask. It's something that I plan to ask him It'll about. Be a tomorrow. lighthearted question yeah, tomorrow. Something I plan to ask him about after uh, after. Well, and it's funny tomorrow. too because we had a chat about this last year. Um, the occasional, yeah, the, the, that does happen from time to time, and I can't remember who it was now. Maybe we we're talking with Oduya, but I, there was some defenseman that came in and had like three or four faceoff wins. And we said, "Well, he's leading the league in defenseman mm-hmm. faceoff wins." I can't remember who it is now. Yeah, but it was—it's just a goofy stat that when you're immersed in the game like we are, sometimes you get enjoyment out of something different because you talk about the same stuff a lot. Mm-hmm. 
We need like a car cast producer to sit in the back seat and research and do, yeah, and give us the updated stats. Yeah. Okay, well, who wants to ride? <laughs> um, by the way, the pay is not good for a car cast producer. But maybe we can have them hold the microphone, too. Yes, they can hold the microphone. That would increase our ability of making it, our probability of not having an accident while we drive. Yes, and the... Uh, oh, by the way, uh, another almost first. Tyler Sagan almost scored the first shorthanded goal of his NHL career. And it would have been at the three-on-five. He hits the left... Uh, left no less. Right, yeah, and he hits the post with the oh, slap shot. Oh, Allen cleanly with that bomb from the right side, and it clangs. What is it, half an inch to yeah. the right it goes in? Think, just think about this, though. Just if you just if you want to if you want to embody the Ken Hitchcock effect on this team in one moment, the fact Tyler Sagan is having a scoring chance on a three-on-five after kill, he was it, blocking shots yes, on a three-on-five. If, if you want to talk about a moment that embodies what Ken Hitchcock has done to Tyler Sagan and this entire Stars team, yep. that might be it right there. Even though it wasn't a goal, but just yeah, you look at that. Just a great play. You're down down two men on the ice. And you still get the possession, race up the wing. Yeah, it was good. It was uh, no, it's it's good. I thought Sagan had a very good game on both ends of the ice. I thought he was very. His face-off percentage continues to get really strong lately, which is good because he was. Uh, there was a game on a road trip, and I can't remember which one it was now, but I feel like it was in early November where Razor said that he's playing through some something. Uh -huh. He was a little banged up playing through it and all of a sudden he wasn't taking as many face-offs and so I wonder if he's feeling better from whatever it was because he's not shying away from the face-off circle at all no he, not I, at the moment I thought he was very good after about 15 minutes the first 15 it was one of those where it was it was early in the game actually I thought the first 10-15 minutes of that game I thought actually that uh, Spezza line was the best line for the first in the first period for Dallas yeah, I disagree not bad uh, I thought Yanmark was great but I thought that actually the one that really stood out to me, maybe because the expectations are a bit lower, but I thought that the line of Ellie, Smith, and Richie really were effective. In the, the, especially early, because they didn't get a lot of ice time in the third period when the game changed, especially in the second when they hit the penalties. But I thought they were really good on the forecheck, kept it simple, going heavy. Uh, Jamel forced a great save on Allen. I mean, the Stars didn't have a lot of scoring chances in the first period. Jamel had one of them because of the play of Ellie and Richie on the boards. I, I liked their line. I, I didn't mind it. Yeah, it was fair. It's good. They were they were good. Um, I, I, my, for my eyes, I thought the I, I really liked what Spezza yeah, what the, that Spezza line was doing in the first period. But then as as the game progressed, that top line and they started playing together a little bit. Hitch put them back together. That top line became their top players. Sure. Fair and, enough. And the uh, so the other thing that. Kind of development out of today. Um, Martin Hansel had yeah. been playing well. Actually, had been actually had been playing well. Had kind of we thought maybe he was back up to speed. We thought he was maybe where we expected to be. And Ken Hitchcock has talked about Martin Hansel being the top six guy that unlocks his lineup to do other things and all of that. Not available today with a lower body injury. Uh, day to day. Um, this is the fifth different injury for Hansel. He's missed 12 games already. Uh, 13 counting tonight. 13 counting tonight. Um, he's on pace, basically, to... I went through and checked at this today. Martin Hansel, in his uh, NHL career, if we take out the uh, if we take out the lockout season, Short. which was a shortened season, and we take out this season, um, he averages 60.5 games in his is career. Is he on pace? And he's on pace to 
be right around 60 again. All right, here. so this is not necessarily out of the ordinary. This is not out of the ordinary, but it also means that he's But it's frustrating. It's frustrating, and he's probably going to miss another. And you and you wouldn't shouldn't be surprised if he misses another 10 games because of injuries yep. based off his yep. past history. Um, but so Hansel is... Uh, it's just getting going, too, again. Yeah. Played a bunch in a row, and you know they wanted to put him up in the second line again after the Christmas break. Stuff. I, I bumped into Jason Dickinson on the in the elevator from the press box as we were heading down with about five minutes to go, and that's when Ben scored. Was we were in the elevator watching it and he scored. But um, Jason said that he was notified at on the ice at morning skate in Cedar yes. Park shortly after ten o'clock that Derek Laxill, the Texas Stars head coach, actually told told him and pulled him off of morning skate and said he had a flight to Dallas. So got up here a little after two o'clock in the afternoon and didn't play, but it was a, a last minute abrupt kind of a notification for him. Nice holiday uh, payday for him. Slight bonus, yeah. Slight Unlike bonus. Curtis McKenzie, who is on a one way, so when he comes up, it doesn't change his pay structure. For Jason Dickinson, it definitely does. Yeah, I believe uh, I believe Dickinson goes from I be- and I'm going to go on a range here because I don't know the exact number, but I believe Dickinson's around the 800k mark in the NHL, and this okay. is obviously, um, and this is obviously prorated points yes. for each day you're called up. And but That's his one, one 182, but but his but his age his AHL salary is around 65k. Sure. So if you look at obviously a nice little pay bump. There's a decimal point difference. Yes. So he uh, and I think it was. This was a big game for Brett Ritchie, if you think about it, because yep. he needed to... Well, Dickinson's knocking on the door, and yeah. you don't, don't want to call him up and have him sit for too long. Mm-hmm. And we all know that he can play both center and wing on a fourth line, or higher even. So, yeah. I mean, look, Ritchie... It's interesting, Sean, because we had a really good long talk right before the Christmas break with Hitch uh, about a week ago mm-hmm. in his office. Talked for about 25 minutes. And went through a variety of things and a lot of interest. And he said, because we asked about a couple of players, and when we asked about Richie, he said two things. He said, one is he has to stop thinking. Mm-hmm. He said that little bit of moment's hesitation is really affecting him in a bad way, and he needs to just play. And then he said the second thing is he's going to get a chance after Christmas. And I believed when he said that, him meaning at some point after the holiday, there will be an opportunity. I didn't realize it meant right after Christmas but he's going in for Jamal Smith. I, yeah, I didn't at the time. I, we didn't realize that Hitch was basically going to... He was being to, literal about he it. Was be, he was going to create that opportunity yes. for Richie. We thought... I read into it as guys get hurt in this league, right. something will happen, yada, yada, yada. Sure. But yep. no, I he, he literally way. meant that I'm going to try and get Richie in the lineup. And I can see why. He's a big body. He can hit. You want him to go to the front of the net and score goals if... If he could get some offense going, he could fight his way into the lineup on a daily basis. But I really thought that the again I like that line because even though Richie doesn't have the, the highest quickness on the team, he does he did have some good hits tonight. And when you have the speed of Ellie and Smith with him, it provides a really quick back check. Even if Richie's not the first guy back. Yeah. Speaking of those two guys, I wanted to ask you this question because it's I did. A question I planned. Fire away. I planned to ask some of the players because it was a question I was asked for the mailbag, and I actually decided I was going to hold off and ask players. But who do you think is the fastest skater on the team right now? Fastest skater, straight line speed. Like if they had a sprint from one side to yeah, the other. Yeah, we'll go with that. Hmm. 
I want to say between Ellie and Smith because they have real quick, but it's also they're also quick players. Mm -hmm. And then you know what I think is deceptively quick is is Yanmark. Mm -hmm. That sometimes it doesn't look like he's flying as much, just different style of skating. But he always seems to create separation and open up space for himself. At one point, I might have said Tyler Sagan, but that was maybe he's three lost, years ago. He's lost pre knee injury wise, with. Yeah against uh, Kulikov when he was in Florida. I wonder if it might have been, if it might be Ellie. It's, I don't know. That's kind of where I was thinking. Um, Ellie Smith and Yanmark would be a fun race. I think those are the three, don't you? Yeah, and it's interesting because you think of... like is pretty quick, too. Yeah. I don't know if he's got quite the zip that Ellie does. He's uh, a little older, too. Yeah. How much not, he, He's got bad knees, too. Well, history of bad knees. <laughs> but he's, he's a heck of a player. The uh, other one... That and you know what? I'll just use this to segue to our final point because I was going to say Julius Honka is not the fastest skater, but Julius Honka is one of the most one technically of the skaters, the one most of the efficient yeah, skaters. Yes, one of the in just his stride. Just Julius sure. Honka is a Julius Honka. If you were going to teach someone to skate, Julius Honka is someone you should watch. Yes. Um, speaking of Julius Power Honka, skating. we may have finally reached because Ken Hitchcock even admitted to us before Christmas that he didn't know what he was going to do when Mark Mathot came back. Okay. We may finally be at that point where he has to make a decision. Right. Oh, as we approach as we approach the game that on New, New, New Year's Eve. Eve game, because if Mark Mathod, who skated this morning, skated yesterday, skated two days ago with Brett Severn, and the uh, he may be back for against the Sharks on uh, New Year's Eve. We finally reached that point where he may actually have to make a decision. Right. I still don't know if if I don't know what decision he's going to make. I can see the case for both. I still don't know what decision he's going to make for that New Year's Eve game if, indeed, Mark Mathot is I, back. My guess, this is only a guess, where he hasn't given us any hints on this. No, and he even, okay. said to, he even said to us he didn't know what he was going to do. I think, my guess is, that it's going to be uh, inexperience first. Mm -hmm. I think he keeps Johnson over Honka just because he's the older guy. Not by a lot in terms of games played, but enough. So that's my guess. My guess is that it goes to Johns first. Although he has been playing on the left a lot. It'll be interesting to see. It, it should be better for Johns to go on his natural side again. And I think they don't wouldn't want to take that size out of the lineup. Because if you have... Here's the thing. He's not going to break up Lindell and Klingberg the first time back for Mathot. Because Mathot, as much as he might want to play 20 minutes, he's not going to want to do that to him. No, he's not. So I think you play him with Johns or Hawk, obviously, just to, because you keep Patteron and Hammies together. So I'm going to guess Johns. I think it would be Mathot Johns, and at some point, once he gets Mathot up to speed and it gets going, then I think it'll go back to Lindell Johns and Mathot Klingberg. I think so. That's what my gut says, too. And also, because I look at his... It was comp working before the injury. It was working. That... Yeah. All three pairs were, were good. And, th and that's what my gut says, too, because I look at his... But I like what I've seen from Julius Honka oh, lately. Me, too. As well. I, I do as well. And I look at... My gut says Johns, too, because he has mentioned how Johns is struggling because he's on the wrong side. But I think he also looks at that as he's going as a way to, you know what? I'm going to reward Johns yes. for making my lineup still work by moving to the left. And making... Yeah, because they needed a left-sided side player there. Mm -hmm. So I my my gut says Johns. Um, I wouldn't be so shocked either way, but my no. gut my gut says it'll be Johns. It'll who be notable either is way. the one that's in. Either way, it'll be something to either talk about, especially if Mathad is back on uh, for that New Year's Eve game. Well, everyone, um, one more car cast for the uh, 
Actually, the next carcast may actually be recorded during 2018. I don't believe so. It's a 7 o'clock game. Oh, that's true. Um, you it, probably won't be able to listen to it till 2018. That's no. probably... It probably yeah. won't be posted until the new year, but I believe that we should be able to keep ourselves maybe within the, the stroke of midnight. Yes. So that's the plan. We're going to try to finish within the calendar year. Yes. That's on you. That's on me. And me. Yes. To get that done. But for everyone else, you will probably be... Uh, It'll Although, probably be up for you in 2018. I have to drive for that one. Yes. They, we don't always necessarily say who's driving. Yes. But uh, it's your turn tonight, so it's a shorter drive to get to your house than to mine, mm -hmm. which means a shorter car cast, which means, in theory, you may have it posted before midnight. We will try. Or Ooh. or at least... or at least It'll we'll, be at least recorded before midnight. It'll be at least recorded before midnight, and we will... Uh, and maybe you'll have... Uh, since no one will work the next day, you'll so have... another thing, that w reason why we need an unpaid producer... Yes. To sit in the back seat and then find their own way home when the car cast ends. From one of our houses. Whichever house that is. Find so, your own way. It we, is a thankless job. We will take applications. Everyone, uh, we will, <laughs> until next time. This Must be able to fit in a car seat. <laughs> and at least find how we can move ours around. This has been the car cast. Sean everyone. is working on Hey, if you have any uh, suggestions, Sean, as we may have known now, is in the market for car seats in the next... Seven to nine months. Yes. Yes. It's a whole new world when you start working on the latch anchor system. I'm a, I'm a pro. I'm way past the latch now, though. We could, do, we could do a half an hour on car seats alone, and I could give a soliloquy on the differences between the rear-facing, forward-facing, the uh, base inset infant car carrier, the upright booster, the backless booster, and then we're, we are, we're almost at the... You're tall enough not to have a booster seat. This is before they sold an all-in-one. You might be better luck than me. Yeah, this is. Uh, I've bought, I've purchased four different types of car seats as my sons have grown. It's, it's not fun. It is, it is a beating. And yet they're safe, so that's all we can hope for. Well, and they've made it so far. So I'm just trying to discourage Sean as much as he can as his impending fatherhood gets closer and closer. You can tell him doing a good job as he laughs it off. Oh, all right. Well, everyone, we will have next the next episode diapers.